all right, Patrick, you're part of the team. I'm going to find out kind of what you know. So um, it's not like trivia necessarily. I just want everybody, I know how wonderful, smart, I mean, such a godly man that you are. I want them to know that as well and just not take my word for it. So here's what I've got for you. I've got, I've got a penny, a normal penny. I just want you to describe for me and everybody else what you see on the penny. Okay. Just as best as you can. This isn't one of those pennies from like the Home Shopping Network, right? Not that I'm aware of. Like the coin collection. Those get me every time. Hey, I'm. You, you, do you have a coin collection we should know about? Well, I don't know. I'm always looking for the next one. Okay. Well, All right. What do you see? I, it's a penny. It's yep. a Normal penny. So, I mean, I'm right off the bat. I'm going to go with I see a year. Okay. Know, I see a president. Probably. I'm probably going to go with Lincoln. Are you, are you say, is that a question or Lincoln? is that a... Can we confirm that's a Lincoln? What do you think? Is he right or wrong? I don't Lincoln think on, they know either. On, I don't know. <laughs> can I ask so, okay. so, so far you're wrong and wrong, but um, so that, you sure that's what you see? Like, is there anything else on there well, that... I mean, unless this is a 2019 penny and that's Trump on there. Oh, you're yeah. dead wrong on that one. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, no, that's, that's not what I okay, see whatsoever. I mean, I mean you okay, want to try again? I see in God we trust. No, that's not on there. No. no. Are color. you just making it's stuff up? Stuff. Are you making stuff up? Oh, we can agree on the color. Yes, yeah, yes, that color. is the right yes, color. Yes, I have a color. All right, we've got the color right. Everything else you're absolutely wrong on. Right. Yeah, but we do have one and only one thing in common. Now, you see where this is going, right? It's a penny. You've seen a penny. You know what's on both sides of it. But what tends to happen is this conversation that we're having about a penny is what happens in your marriage when you're talking with your spouse. It's what happens when you're talking with your kids. It's what happens when you're talking with a boss or a coworker at work where he sees one thing, I see one thing, and we're not going to agree except on maybe the color of this penny. Outside of that, we're not going to agree at all. And we could go back and forth and back and forth, and he sees apparently a president on there, doesn't even know which one. <laughs> I could tell you, I see kind of like a, a building with some different words on there. We, we could try to convince each other of what we see, but we're never going to convince each other until something changes. And it's not this that changes. If I were to come over on this side... Ah, uh, you're not as dumb as we once thought. No, no, he's exactly right because you change your perspective of it. So what Patrick sees on this side and what I see on this side can be very, very different even though it's the same coin. Give it up for Patrick, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate it, man. Good sport. We do that though, don't we? And it seems silly, but we walk through life with that one view and that one perspective. You, you have conversations and you, you say, well, here's what I see and here's what I see and here's what I see. And then when somebody else interacts with you, they say, well, that's not right. That's not what I see. That's definitely not what I see. How could you possibly think that? This is what it is. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And that's where we have really good discussions in our home. You know what discussions are code word for, right? It's disagreements and arguments and fights and conflict, all because I see this, but somebody else sees something else. And in our prayer lives, we usually come to God. I'd say typically we come to God saying, God, here's what I see. It's not working. This is a problem. God, fix this. And we pray that God would like fix the coin, that he would fix the penny. God, make it so that this is what is right. Instead of... God, would you just help me to see a little bit differently? See, we could argue back and forth over what's right and what we see and what it should be, or we could open our eyes just a little bit. We can move from this side to, oh, 
That's what's going on. That's what I'm supposed to see. Instead of praying for God to fix everything, to change our situation, to change our problem, what if we began to add a prayer to our prayer life where it was, God, help me to see differently. God, instead of changing my issue and changing the situation and changing the circumstance and changing the problem, God, would you change my perspective? Would you change what I see? It's a very powerful prayer. And as we wrap up our prayer series, that's the prayer we're going to focus on, the penny prayer. Help me to see differently. Because we could pray that God would just fix it and change it. Or what if he begins to change us, change what we see, change our perspective. So we're gonna look at a prayer that we're gonna find by a guy named Elisha. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter six. We're gonna see him pray that kind of a prayer, a change of perspective prayer. But to get to the prayer, we have to get through a story that gets to the prayer. So through this story, there's gonna be three parts to the story and you gotta pay attention to find them and we're gonna kind of dive into each of those parts of the story. The first part of the story is the uh uh-oh part of the story. Say uh uh-oh with me. Oh, yes, we all have uh-ohs. It's a problem. It's an issue. It's a, it's a situation that is just that. It's an uh-oh. It's a problem. And then you're going to see a second part of the story where it's a huh part of a story. Say huh with me. That's not bad. You almost need to do the huh right. You need to have a little like Tim Allen kind of a huh. Can you do that with me? That was pretty good, wasn't it? All right, try it with me. Say huh. There you go. The huh part of the story is I have no idea what's going on. This is what they're saying. This is what they see, but I don't see it. I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how that could be. We don't understand. That's the second part of the story. The third part of this story that's going to get us to that penny prayer is the aha. Say aha. Aha. Okay. No, you got to do this with me. It doesn't work unless you get the finger. You got to aha. Much better. So you have the Uh uh-oh, the huh, and then this aha. All three parts of that story are gonna build up to this truly empowering and impactful prayer that we'll call the penny prayer that's gonna help us see differently. It might not change your reality. Don't miss that. It probably won't change your reality, but could it change your perspective? Because when our perspective change, when our perspective changes, so many other things in our lives begin to change. So let's look at the story. Let me set it up a little bit for you. You have two nations involved in this story. You have the Israelites, God's chosen people, Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah. Elisha is a prophet for God, a man of God, and goes around and tells people God's messages, tells people what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what they need to start doing, what they need to stop doing. So he's with Israel, obviously. And then you have this other nation, nation uh, the, the king of Aram. The king of Aram does not like the Israelites. So the king of Aram comes up with an idea. He says, we are going to get rid of the Israelites once and for all. So he is gonna send a massive army to go and not invade yet, but surround the city where Elisha is at. He's tired of dealing with Elisha. He's tired of him spreading the good news of God and the Israelites to all these other nations. He's tired of Elisha being an advocate for God's people, the Israelites. So the king of Aram is ready to end Elisha's life and go and invade, uh, capture Elisha and invade the rest of Israel. So here's where we're gonna pick it up. Here's where the king of Aram is getting all upset and is ready to take matters into his own hands. Second Kings chapter six, starting in verse 13. 
Go and find out where he is. He is talking about Elisha, the king ordered. So I can send men and capture him. So then he sent, look at this, or he got the report back. He's in Dothan. So the report came back where he was at. Now he sent horses and chariots and a strong force. They went by night so they could sneak around the city and they surrounded the city. So understand the scene. The king of Aram finds out where Elisha is at. He sends orders, go and surround the city. We are gonna get Elisha once and for all. Once Elisha's out of the picture, then we are gonna set our sights on the entire nation of Israel. So he sends not just a few soldiers, he sends an army out. He sends chariots and horses. He surrounds, completely surrounds the city at night where Elisha is at. Here's what happens. Remember, look for those three parts of the story, the uh-oh, the uh-huh, the huh, and then the aha. Uh-huh. Here's what we see happen next. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, man of God talking about Elisha, so this is Elisha's servant. When the servant of Elisha got up, he went out early the next morning. Think about your morning routine. You wake up, you go and maybe get your coffee, you get some breakfast, you go maybe stand at the window and just see a beautiful sunrise, you stretch, and here's what Elisha's servant sees. When he got up early and went out the next morning, he saw, look, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. That's not what you expect to see early in the morning when you wake up. Not part of your typical morning rhythm, is it? He sees this massive army that has surrounded the city and he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, which part of the story is this? This is the uh uh-oh part of the story. He comes downstairs, he gets his coffee, he looks out the window and he sees this massive army with horses and chariots that have completely surrounded the the city. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Uh Uh-oh, we have a problem. We have a massive problem. We are so overwhelmed. We are so outnumbered. We don't see how we could ever get out of this. Now that starts to hit a little bit more at home, doesn't it? Overwhelmed, outnumbered, in over our head. We don't see any way out of this mess. We don't see how anything good could possibly come out of this. We're on our own. We're all by ourselves. We have no way of making it. This is it. This is the end of it. This is how it ends, the uh uh-oh part of the story. But look at what happens next. Here's the second part of the story. So the servant sees all of this and is in total panic mode, as most of us would probably be in. Elisha comes on the scene, verse 16, what he says next. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is the huh part of the story or if you wanna say it right, the huh part of the story. Because here is the servant who sees this problem, the uh uh-oh, and Elisha comes over and says, ah, don't worry about it. Do you have one of those people in your life that anytime there's a problem, they're like, ah, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. Now those are good people to have in your life sometimes, but at some point it just drives you crazy. You're like, no, this is a big deal. I don't think you completely understand the situation. They just seem like they're, they're out of it. They don't comprehend it. It's looking at that penny and saying, don't you see what we see? This is a problem. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. There's an army surrounding the city. Yeah, but there's more of us than there are them. It's just the two of us, Elisha. Can you see how this conversation is going back and forth? The servant sees one thing and Elisha must see something else because he says, don't be afraid. 
And he doesn't just say, don't be afraid. If you go through scripture, anytime you see don't be afraid, there's always a reason behind it. Don't be afraid, because why? Give me some reason to believe you. And Elisha's reason makes the servant go, huh. Don't be afraid, because there's more with us than there are of them. What do you mean there's more with us than there are of them? No, there is not anyone with us. It's just us two versus all of them. Elisha, are you crazy? Because I don't see what you see. I can't possibly understand how you could stand there and say, don't be afraid. This is the perfect time to be afraid. And Elisha stays with his statement. Don't be afraid. There are more with us. Remember what he said? There's more with us than there are of them. So we go from uh-oh to huh, the servant cannot possibly understand why Elisha would say such a thing. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, look at what Elisha does. Here's the aha. And Elisha prayed. He knows he's not gonna be able to convince his servant. No matter how hard he tries to explain it and convince him, he knows it's not gonna go anywhere because they're seeing two very different things. So he prayed. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may, and what's it say there? He may see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. Then the servant looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Oh, (laughs) that's what you see, Elisha. Aha. I didn't see it, but now I do. The reality didn't change here. Pay attention to that. The problem was not solved. Remember, the the penny is still a penny. The perspective got changed. The situation didn't change. The reality didn't change. The servant's sight changed. The servant's perspective changed. His reality changed, not the reality of the situation. That's the power of a penny prayer, the change of perspective prayer. That is exactly what Elisha prayed for his servant. Same prayer I pray you will take to heart. Here's the prayer. God, open my eyes to see what I don't see. That's it. It's not God fix this situation and change this situation. It's not fix this problem or change this problem. It's God, there's a problem. Uh Uh-oh. And God, I don't understand how this is gonna work out because here's what I see. I don't see any way out of it. I don't see any good that could possibly come from this. I don't know what to do with this. There's your huh. But God, I also recognize that I don't always see what you see. So God, Enlighten my heart. Give me an aha. Open my eyes to see what I currently don't see, what I possibly maybe couldn't see without your help. It doesn't mean the situation is gonna change, but if your perspective changes, then it's the, oh, now I see what you see. Imagine how that changes your life, how it changed that servant's life. And if you wanna keep reading the rest of the story, it's a fascinating story. Keep reading through, you have only a few more verses left. Read through the rest of the story, see how it ends, but it forever changes this servant's life. Not because the situation changed, but because a prayer opened his eyes and then his perspective changed. 
So let's go through those three parts of the story. What was the first part of the story? The uh-oh. You got the uh-oh part of the story. And again, part of that uh-oh in our lives is usually overwhelmed and outnumbered. There's something that is worrying us. There's something we're anxious about. We don't see how we're going to make it through it. And I'd say those feelings are very valid. You will most likely continue to feel overwhelmed in some form or fashion. I don't think you can avoid that. We are going to feel and maybe realistically be overwhelmed in our life. And so we get stuck in that, uh uh-oh, and our prayer tends to be, God, fix it, or God, keep me from being overwhelmed. But I think life is just overwhelming sometimes. So here's the truth. You may be overwhelmed, not just feel overwhelmed. You may very truly be overwhelmed, but you're not outnumbered. Oftentimes in those uh uh-oh moments, we feel not just overwhelmed, we also feel outnumbered, like I can't do anything about it, no one else is on my side, I'm all alone trying to figure this out on my own. And remember what Elisha had to do? No, 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 don't be afraid. God's with us. In fact, there's a lot more with us than there are against us. You may be overwhelmed, but you are not outnumbered. Paul says it a little bit differently. He's writing to the early church here and he says it like this, Philippians chapter four. He says, don't be anxious about anything, don't worry, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, God, here's the problem. Here's my uh uh-oh. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm anxious about. Here's where I don't think we're gonna make it through this. Whatever situation that is, in every situation about anything, Present it to God through prayer. Look at this. Here's the result of praying. Verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, look, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't miss the result that Paul gives here. It's not present your request to God and pray to God about everything you're worried and anxious about, all your uh uh-ohs. What doesn't happen is, and God will fix them all. And God will change the reality. And God will change the situation. No, there's nothing in here about God fixing or changing anything. What he promises is the peace of God, which we're not gonna be able to fully understand. Not peace of this world, peace of God. Very, very different things. The peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, now that's different. That's what we're supposed to see. It's not just that things, our situations and problems change, but God, it's you changing me. It's guarding my heart and my mind. It's giving me the peace to walk through and walk in whatever situation's before me. See, oftentimes we exaggerate our problems and we underestimate God. Doesn't mean our problems aren't big, but we need to flip those and say, no, God's a whole lot bigger So here's the penny prayer for your uh uh-oh moments. Instead of God fix the problem, what if we began to pray, God, open my eyes to your greatness. God, you are so much greater than anything in my life. God, you are so much greater than any problem I face in my life. And again, that's not to diminish the, the, the severity of those problems and those hurts, but it's to put them in their place beneath God. God is over all things. And oftentimes we forget the greatness of God. So God, before I pray to fix anything, God, would you just open my eyes to your greatness? That's how we pray through those uh uh-ohs. Now let's talk about the huhs, the parts where I don't understand. It's Elisha saying, ah, don't worry about it. There's a lot more of us than there are them. And you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense. 
What we need in our lives is exactly what Elisha's servant needed in his life. He needed Elisha. Go back and think through what Elisha did. The servant freaks out. We're all gonna die. There's no way we can make it through this alive. We're done. This is it. And Elisha's response is, don't be afraid. There's a lot more of us than there are them. You've gotta be kidding me, Elisha. What are you possibly talking about? No, no, no. Don't be afraid. See, Elisha kept his cool first and foremost. Do you have like that friend that when you freak out, they freak out, and then you freak out some more, and so then they keep freaking out? They might be a good friend, but it's not a good dynamic to have in a situation like this. You need somebody to help lead you. You need somebody that's a little further along than you. You need somebody in your life that I would call as a truth teller, that when we pray for open eyes, that we're actually seeing the importance of truth tellers in our lives. Elisha was a truth teller for his servant. When he freaked out, Elisha said, don't be afraid. God's with us. He's got us. Even when we can't see it, we need people in our lives that will speak truth into our lives. Elisha kept his cool. He spoke truth into the life of his servant. And then when he couldn't convince him, you can go back to the penny. You could try to convince both sides. It's never going to happen. Elisha did what only we can do. He prayed for his servant, didn't he? He kept his cool. He told him, don't be afraid. There's, there's another reality that you're missing. There's a perspective you're not seeing. And instead of trying to convince him of it, he just prayed that his eyes would be open. Do you have somebody in your life like that? Do you have somebody in your life that speaks truth into your life? When, when you're going through problems and situations and hurt and disappointment and discouragement and anxiety and worry, do you have somebody in your life that doesn't say, oh, I know exactly how you're feeling. It's somebody that says, here's the truth. You're seeing one side. Let me have permission to speak truth into it. I pray that this is one of those places, that you show up on a Sunday and no matter what you have been seeing throughout the week, no matter what you're seeing for the next week, that this would be a place where you can come and hear truth and maybe a different perspective. Not saying it's gonna change everything, but could it change your perspective? But this is not enough. You need other people in your life that will speak truth into your life. So here's the prayer for the huh prayer. It's God, open my eyes to the wise people you have put in my life. I need other people in my life to speak truth into my life. So help me to see them. Help me to pay attention to them. Help me to listen to them. Even if I don't fully understand where they're coming from. Even if I can't possibly rationalize why, God, open my eyes to the wise people you have put in my life so that when I can't see it, somebody else can speak it into me. Here's what you need to pay attention to. Yes, that may be a true reality, but don't forget about this side of it either. So we ask God to open our eyes that he's with us and we see his greatness and we ask him to open our eyes to the people around, our, around us that he's put in our lives so that we can hear the truth spoken into our lives. So there's the uh-oh, there's the huh, here's the aha. Ready for the aha? Is when we begin to change our perspective, our lives begin to change. Based on our perspective, think of all the things that we do based on our perspective, what we see. It's how we act, it's how we talk, it's how we think, it's how we feel, it's the attitudes. We make decisions based on what we see, based on our perspective. So maybe if we shifted that and said, okay, God, change my perspective, then we would start to see God also change our lives. 
How could you have two individuals looking at the same situation, the servant and Elisha, both looking at the same army that has surrounded the city? One freaks out and one says, God's got this. How's that possible? That they could look at the same problem in the same situation, but they respond in two totally different ways. It's because they each had very, very different perspectives. If you want to see your life begin to change, pray that God would change your perspective first. When you live differently, I promise you, I promise you, you will see a different perspective. Change your perspective, your life will begin to change. If you want to live differently, well, you need to have a different perspective. You need to see differently. So how do you have joy instead of always worry? It's a change of perspective. How do you have purpose instead of discouragement? It's a change of purpose or it's a change of perspective. Change your perspective and you will live very, very differently. Let's do an exercise together. Let me put this up on the screen. It's what we would call the 10 relationships. 10 major relationships. If you think through all the relationships and environments that you're in, they will probably fit in at least one of these categories. So pretty all-encompassing of who and how you interact throughout your life. So here's the question. As you look through that list of 10, I want you to ask yourself, how do I see each of these? How do I see God? Not talking about the reality, but how do you personally see God? What perspective do you have of God? Is he just angry? Does he not care? Is he unaware? Is he full of love? What is your current perspective of God? What's your current perspective of yourself? How do you see yourself? How do you see your spouse, your marriage? Because how you see your marriage is going to dictate how you think and feel and act and have attitudes towards your spouse. How do you think about your family, extended family, your kids, whatever those dynamics are in those relationships? What's your perspective of your family, your friends, finances? What is your current perspective of your money? Is it, it's a tool and a resource that God has given me stewardship of to help other people, or is it I have to have more so that I can survive? It doesn't change the amount in your checking account. Oh, but it certainly changes how you use it, doesn't it? it changes how we think, how we feel, how we act, how we interact. What about work? How do you see work? Is it just a job that pays the bills, or is it a mission field? where every single day you go and clock in and you go to work, you are looking for ways to benefit the people and add value to the people that you're around. What about church? How do you view this place? Hey, this is something I'm supposed to do once a week, so I'm here. Or is it I'm part of something so much bigger than myself? I belong to a family. And yes, I added an R in there on purpose. <laughs> How do you view church? What's your perspective of church? What's your perspective of community, your neighbors, your county, the places that we live? How do you view where you are? What about enemies? Now, when I say enemies, it's not people necessarily like what we're reading about with Elisha and the servant of an entire army surrounding to kill you. Enemies is anybody that doesn't like you, and it's probably not your fault. I'm sure it's not you, it's them, it always is. But it's somebody where you don't get along with them. We don't see eye to eye. We don't see the same thing. Instead of seeing our enemies as just that, where we always have to win, or we always have to one-up, and we have to make sure that we're always up on top. What if we do what Jesus told us, and we actually pray for our enemies? How do you view the people in your life? 
Because if we see differently, we will live differently. If we have a change of perspective, we will see our lives change. So based on that list of 10, let me ask you this one. Which area of your life would you like to see changed? You wanna see your marriage changed? You wanna see your family dynamic changed? Do you wanna see, man, just work changed? Man, we've got some issues in our finances, we wanna see that changed. What do you want to see changed? And instead of asking God to fix it, what if you ask God to change your perspective of it first? If you see differently, you will live differently. If you wanna experience change, change what you see, change your perspective first. So here's that prayer. God, open my eyes to see like you see. God, help me to see what I don't see. He sees people differently than us sometimes. He sees situations differently than us sometimes. He sees our problems differently than we see our problems sometimes. He sees us differently than we see or even ourselves sometimes. God, open my eyes and help me see like you see and see what begins to change. A simple perspective has great impact. How we see and the decisions that we make and how we live and how we act are usually determined by our perspective. So before we ask God to fix something in our life, can we first pray the penny prayer? God, open my eyes to see what I don't see. I hope this will be a reminder. In fact, on your way out, some of you wish this would be a quarter prayer, but that's not gonna happen, so I can afford pennies for you. Plus, it sounds better. But on your way out, you're gonna get a penny so you can be praying that prayer, that it can be that reminder of no matter what's going on in my life, God, open my eyes to help me see what I don't see. We're gonna experience the problems, the uh uh-ohs. We're gonna have the parts of confusion and uncertainty. There's your huhs. But may we have moments of aha. Oh, I see what you're doing, God. Let me wrap up with this. In Romans chapter eight, Paul says it this way. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Let the truth of that just just hold tightly in your mind for a second. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? How's that for a change of perspective? No matter what you're going through, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? And here's the perspective shift. Here's the change of what we see, verse 32. Since he, God, did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? In other words, we know that to be true. If God is for us, who could be against us? Because we've seen what he's already done. He's already given us his son, Jesus. And if he was willing to give us his own son, there's nothing he would stop at. He would never stop loving you. Would never stop being with you. So just as that penny is a reminder to pray that penny prayer, we're gonna take communion this morning as a reminder of what God has already done. What he's already done, and yes, we thank him for that, but we thank him, but also with the gratitude of here's what he will continue to do. If God is for us, who could be against us? Because he's already shown us what he would be willing to do. May we never forget what he's done so we may hold tight to the promises that he continues to live out you want to change your life, pray for a change of perspective. So I'm going to put, we've been ending each week through this series with some prayers. I'm going to put some prayers up on the screen so you can pray through the prayers and you can begin to truly reflect on what Jesus has done for us and what he continues to do for us. And as you go through the prayers, you can take the top part of the communion cup. And if you didn't get communion, we've got guest services that'll come around. Just raise your hand. They'll pass them out for you. You take the first part of the wrapper and it'll expose the cracker that represents Jesus' body broken for us. 
The second wrapper exposes the juice, which represents Jesus's blood poured out for us. May we remember what he's done so we never forget what he continues to do in our life. Take a moment, begin to pray. If you need communion, raise your hand and spend a moment with your Lord.